Live from Buffalo Wild Wings. If we do this right, we're probably going to get good results. And so, um, you know, we've gotten that off and on throughout the course of the season so far. Um, and I think the more we get it, the more contagious it becomes, you know, and, and guys really are tapped into trying to do the little things right that may give us an advantage. I, I wish I had like some big secret, but it's really just comes down to, you know, you know, taking the big old moment and just simplifying into, okay, just doing my job, this play, you know, hopefully will lead us down the field and, you know, into the end zone. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. We are at Buffalo Wild Wings, South Durango, and Warm Springs is the location. Come on by, hang out with us. we got plenty of prizes to give out. Coming up on Sunday, the Raiders are going to be hosting the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium. But tonight, it goes down at Allegiant Stadium, the Pac-12 championship game, number four versus number 11. That's USC versus Utah. And join us now on the phone lines to talk about it, Porter Larson, ESPN 700. And, Porter, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And, as far as Utah goes, I mean, they won the first one. I know that USC's got revenge on their mind, but what's the what's the energy and the you know the the vibe around Utah, the program right now, going into tonight's game? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's I guess similar uh, to last year. If you're Utah, right? You you had Oregon late in the regular season, and then you had them once again in the Pac-12 title. But I don't know if the confidence level is necessarily the same because I think the USC Trojans are are seen a little bit differently, right? It took everything Utah had in the first matchup to beat USC. Cam Rising had almost 500 total yards. Dalton Kincaid had a record-breaking performance. The defense played uh, well at times against, you know, Caleb Williams in a in a, a USC offense that is truly elite. So you have a number four team in the country playing for more than what Oregon was playing for last year. So I think Utah knows that they have their hands full. And, right, they have to play similarly to the, what they did on October 15th. They have to, to put up probably 40-plus points to beat this USC team. That's just the reality. And, I mean, they've done it uh, at, a, at a few points this year, right, an- another team averaging 40 points a game. So I think it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a collision course for a, another dogfight like we saw earlier on. Utah came into the season with super high expectations, and right out the gate they tripped up. And, you know, they tripped up a couple times throughout this season. Again, that October 15th game against uh, USC, they won by one point at the end. But how have they been able to, even though they've had a couple bumps in the road, still maintain to get to the point where they are right now? Yeah, I think at this point it's, it's kind of just the benefit of the doubt you give Utah, right, with, with how consistent it is from the top. You kind of just expect it. Um, yeah, you had playoff aspirations early, but you, you got to win <laughs> each yeah. and every week if, if you're going to make the playoff, at least until 2024, as we know, uh, you got some documents signed over the course of the last week that's going to make that 12-team one a reality. But until then, you can't trip up, right? You can be one of the best 10 teams in the country, but you can't trip up. And, and USC's learning that now, right? They have no room for error now. If they want to make the the pack or, or the playoff, and for Utah early on, I think it was a little bit of a letdown. But Kyle Whittingham's mo is is the consistency, and right, they still have a chance at a Pac-12 championship. They still have a chance to play in a Rose Bowl. So uh, I think he does a good job of keeping that in perspective. Right, this this is the program who's gone through a lot off the field, so I think they're able to to keep things on the field 
in in pretty good perspective, and that that keeps them consistent. It keeps them competitive, even when you know facing really talented teams like we've seen the Pac-12 produce this year. You mentioned 2024, and that's when the playoffs is going to expand to 12 teams. How do you think that – what does that look like for you as far as, you know, your your perspective of college football? What do you think that's going to look like when it does expand to the 12-team playoffs? Yeah, man, I think it's, it's first of all, good for, right, those fringe teams. It, it's really good for the Pac-12. It's really good, I think, for some of the fringe teams that have been on the outside looking in or, you know, maybe had undefeated seasons and, and been left out. Um but I also think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for college football because what we see now is a really good product. But once you hit next week <laughs> up until New Year's, it's a bunch of saturated bowl games that don't mean anything. Like, mm-hmm. they're cool, but they're exhibition games that half the NFL products aren't going to play in. Uh, a lot of the guys are checked out. We already see Tavion Thomas for the youths doing that uh, in Salt Lake. So, I think that, that expanding that access, right, usually the playoff nets the best four teams. I don't even really have an issue with that. I think we do see the best four teams in college football for the most part by the end of the year. But giving more teams access gives uh, more investment. And, and I think it keeps fan bases across the country engaged through November, through December, and I think it's good for the sport, and and I'm really looking forward to it because I think uh, you you give a few more teams chances, and you know they're gonna they're gonna go shock the world, and, and I think those storylines are are good for the sport, and they're gonna be fun to watch. They will definitely be fun to watch. Porter Larson is our guest from ESPN 700 here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. My man Demond's got one for you. Yeah, can you take me back to that first matchup and what went well for the Utes? I know it was an overtime victory, at least with the two-point conversion, but what did they do well against UFC in that first game? Yeah, well, it was really one of the, the classic games in, in Rice Cycle Stadium history, a sellout crowd. It was the, I think we go back to October 15th. It was the most people that's ever been in that venue. So it was, it was, a, it was quite the environment, and I think that really helped Utah, right? USC was struggling with some communications. Uh, frankly, the refs were struggling with some communications. It was it was a madhouse, and Utah really did use that to their advantage. But what they did was they scored every possession. They went toe-to-toe with USC, and, and their defense made one or two more plays than USC was able to make, and that was the difference in the football game. And then, of course, uh, having the cojones to, to go for it on fourth down, uh, on fourth down to, to tie the game and then to go for two, the two-point conversion to win it. Um, you know, when you're a team that had playoff aspirations and, and maybe that's off the table, those those decisions to, to be a little more risky can can maybe uh, be a little easier. And Kyle Whittingham and, and Andy Ludwig were aggressive that night, and it paid off. I think uh, you, you relied on the stars a little too much. Cam Rising had almost 500 yards. Dalton Kincaid, as we've mentioned, had a record-breaking night. So I think Utah wants to avoid that tonight. You don't want to force Cam Rising to have 500 yards and rely on your tight end to to have 200-plus. No, you want to be able to run the clock. You want to be able to run the football, uh, have a few guys 75-plus yards rushing, maybe including Cam Rising. And what that does is it keeps Caleb Williams off the field. It keeps Lincoln Riley on the sidelines thinking about defense instead of uh, the next play calls. And that is what you want 
if you're going to beat USC. That's what you want if you want to repeat as Pac-12 champ. Yeah, you mentioned it, like keep Caleb Williams off the field, but Utah, they're the only team that stopped USC so far. So how do you limit Caleb Williams when he is on the field? Uh, I mean, they kind of stopped USC. They, they just outscored him is, is all that happened. <laughs> right. Caleb Williams had five <laughs> touchdowns. He had five touchdowns, like 440 total yards. Uh, I mean, he was phenomenal. He, he may be the best college quarterback that I've covered in person. I, I'm, I'm not speaking facetiously when I say that. He is that good, and he's a true sophomore. So I think what you have to do is you have to heat him up, right? You have to get him off platform and, and, and force him into those one-footed throws that, hell, he still makes those every once in a while. But you have to force him to, to really be a playmaker. And even then, you're going to get beat uh, here and there. So for Utah – it's about probably forcing a turnover or two, making a special teams play, and and then probably scoring 40 points. Otherwise, USC is going to beat you. Porter Larson is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. As far as Utah goes in this game, how much do they want to play spoiler and keep Utah – or not Utah, excuse me, keep USC out of the college football playoffs? Oh, man. Well, you heard Kyle Whittingham early in the week talk about <laughs> how Utah loves being in that position, right? He – He's a coach who I said in my pregame show today, I think he's kind of blurred the lines between David and Goliath, right? He plays that role really well. But Utah's been in four of the last five Pac-12 titles. Like, how can you play the underdog still, right? It seems kind of uh, backhanded, but they still they love uh, playing that role. And USC is three-point favorite, so Kyle's going to use that as motivation. And to, to be the defending champs and, and, and be the underdog, they they're gonna they're gonna play with a chip on their shoulder and and maybe it's a little personal with USC not only because this has become a, a little bit of a rivalry but also because we know SC is headed for the Big Ten right this is their their chance to to leave the conference and 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 do it on top and Utah might want to try and be the door hitting them on the on the on the rear end on the way out. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the Pac-12 title game, this is going to be the Utes' second year in a row in Vegas. What do you think about Allegiant Stadium as the host for the Pac-12 title game? Oh, I love it. I, I, it's centrally located, right? It's always been in California, and I, I, that makes sense. But for, for Colorado, for Utah, it's, it's nice to have, you know, kind of a, a little more of a, a home base, a friendly home base, and for USC and Utah, it's almost perfect, right? It's like a three, four-hour drive for, for most folks from, from both sides. So it's perfect for this matchup in particular, and we see as much, right? It's sold out. There's going to be, I don't know how many, 60,000, 70,000 people at that game, and I think it's going to be close to a 50-50 split. So for this matchup, it's perfect, but obviously Vegas is – uh, really burgeoning right now with sports, right? We, we've yeah. kind of seen the, the stigma around gambling change, and I think that's kind of helped Las Vegas uh, kind of get back into the sports scene with the, the, the pro teams coming back there. And, and I think it's good for uh, this region, and I love the Pac-12 uh, title being there. It's, it's uh, looking like it's going to be, what, another two years under the, the contract that just was extended. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy that. I think it's, it's, it's good to have it there. You know, Porter, when the seasons got started, when we were talking about the Pac-12, we were talking about USC and, and UCLA bouncing, right? We were talking about uh, teams that were going to be leaving, and then all of a sudden the Pac-12 goes and puts all these different programs in the top 25. What does that say about the, the conference as it is right now, having all the teams that they do in the top 25? 
Well, listen, I think a lot of the criticisms of the Pac-12 of late have been warranted, right? They, they have had some down years, but there's a lot of historically great conf, uh, teams in this conference, right? And there's a lot of teams that are, are still kind of on the, on the come up. Kyle Whittingham's program, one of them. But this is a, a conference with a lot of history, a lot of talent, uh, good TV market. It's, it's also, I think, received some unfair criticism. And I think a lot of that has been due to the exposure. It's been due to the TV media rights deals, which uh, it sounds like are, are being rectified. And now this year, you're, you're seeing the, the realities of it, right? You always have, I think, the, the top seven to eight teams in the Pac-12 can go to toe-to-toe with, with most of the conferences, right? It's, it's just that they hadn't had that flagship like USC, like yeah. Oregon, like Washington, or lately Utah breaking into the playoffs. That's been the difference. And they have a chance to do it tonight. If USC wins tonight, they're going to the playoffs, right? They're number four right yep. now. They won't get jumped with a top 10 win and a power five championship. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're seeing the, the realities, I think, of this conference. And frankly, with the expanded playoff coming, uh, I think, I think the Pac 12 is in a really good position. Uh, whether they become the Pac-10 or maybe they look at a, a, another team that, that might add some value, they're in a really good spot. And and these teams being competitive on the way out is, is good for the conference, but you also have Kalen DeBoer at Washington having things rolling. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a, a good hire so far at Oregon. And then obviously that, that Utah train is rolling. So uh, I think this conference, even when UCLA and USC leave, it's it's primed to, to be still a, a premier conference, and, and now you're going to have access to the playoff every year. Let me ask you this as we – I'm sorry, DeMond. Let me ask you this real quick. I know DeMond's got one more for you, but wanted to ask you, since we're here in Vegas, uh, how about UNLV? Is that any is that a program that you look at that may have an opportunity to slide into the Pac-12 at some point? It, it's interesting because the market right says that you have to at least look at them. Um, for me – I probably point to San Diego State first, right? Yeah. That's probably the first school that I look at. That's a that's a market that you're already in pretty pretty hard if you're San if you're a Pac-12 school, right? You recruit out of San Diego. Utah brings a lot of players out of San Diego. I think getting into that market uh, is is probably the first thing that they do. And then after that, I, I always hear people talk about Boise State, but they just have a football program that was good for a while, right? They don't have much else and they don't have a, a, a big TV market. UNLV is probably the next most attractive school that I look at outside of maybe a, a Texas school. If you are trying to expand for back to a PAC 12 and no, I, I think that they, they absolutely um, right now are a, a market to look at, but you got to hit this next hire, right? You guys are going through that, that process yeah. right now. If you hit on this hire and get a good foundation with the football program, that probably is, is the best route to, uh, to, to get in that P5 invite. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. You answered that, so I'll move to my next question. You said that it's probably going to be a 50-50 split. Now, the Utes, how rowdy is that fan base? Because it might be a 50-50 split, but do you think that the Utah fans are going to maybe edge out the USC fans by just of the aggressiveness and how passionate that fan base is going to be? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, Utah fans are passionate. We we know that, right? It's they're the the must is is like legendary. They win the the Taco Bell Live Moss Award or whatever uh, for the best student section. They 
they travel. Uh, Utah has sold out every home game since 2010. That's a, a streak that uh, goes like 76 games at this point, I think. So obviously the fan base is, is fantastic. They're rowdy. Uh, they love football. Uh, I, I mean, there's a, a stadium here. They sell out every weekend. There's a stadium in Provo. They sell out every weekend. And there's no pro football here. So they love their college football. But USC, uh, they're energized. I mean, they have a shot at the playoff. They have a yeah. little bit more to play for. And kind of with the the allure of USC, right? You have Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, all these guys on the sidelines. They were able to really rally the troops. And, and I think it's going to be a, a really cool atmosphere in Las Vegas because I think as rowdy as the Utah fan base is and always will be, uh, USC is, yeah, maybe a little fair weather, but, I mean, the weather's really good right now. So they're going to be they're going to be rowdy as well. There you go. Well, I'll tell you right now, the Raiders are the are, are Utah's uh, adopted NFL team. So there you go. They, they're the they're the ones that Utah's looking at is the silver and black since they're not too far away from them. Porter, fantastic stuff, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Thanks for the insight, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Yes, sir. Looking forward to uh, to a game in in Allegiant tonight, and then uh, yeah, we'll check in later. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you so much. Definitely appreciate you. Great stuff right there. Porter Larson, ESPN 700, giving us a, a little bit of a preview of the Pac-12 championship game that kicks off in about 45 minutes at uh, Allegiant Stadium. It's sold out. It's crazy it's sold out. I mean, that place is going to be crawling with fans. It's going to be crawling with scouts. There's going to be nothing but scouts from all 32 NFL teams across the league at the Legion Stadium checking out all that pro talent that's going to be on the field this evening between USC and Utah, number four versus number 11 for the Pac-12 championship. And I said it the other day, DeMond, and I really do mean it. I'm, I'm so glad that people have to pay attention to Pac-12 football. They can't just say, oh, well, I'll just look at the box score tomorrow. They have to pay attention to it. USC has put them in that position. They have to. Oregon has put them in that position. They have to. UW has put them in that position. They have to. You know what I mean? It's like going on. And Hell, UCLA has put them in that position. Utah has put them in that position. You have to pay attention to what's going on. If you're not paying attention, you're just checking the box score, you're doing it wrong. 419 is the time. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. Going to be here for a little bit longer. we got plenty of prizes. Come on by and get hooked up. Raider Nation has been here preparing for the weekend, preparing for this game on Sunday against the Chargers. And all we need is you, Buffalo Wild Wings. We're here. <laughs> South Durango and Warren Springs with Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Yeah, Buffalo Wild Wings has been popping all afternoon. Been having a good time being here. Had a lot of good guests here on the show. Sam Webb, Raiders defensive back. Nick Cothrell, ChargerReport.com. Cassie Soto, VegasNation.com. We just heard from Porter Larson, ESPN 700. Gave us a little preview on tonight's Pac-12 championship between USC and Utah. So many people ask me, Q, you going to the game? No, man, no. Show's over at 5. Kickoff's at 5. It's Friday in Vegas. You don't want to really drive around and do all that. So, no, not going to do that. Not going to go to the game. But I'll definitely be checking it out right here on the TV screens here at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. And there's plenty of TV screens to check out all the action and then some. There's NBA action. There's NHL action. There's going to be uh, the game on. I mean, there's all you want right here at Buffalo Wild Wings. So come on by. We've got a lot of Raider Nation here hanging out and uh, having a good time getting ready for the weekend. Of course, we've got a lot of prizes as well to get to. So uh, lots of good stuff. Uh, and I got a text. I saw a text on our don'tbebroke.com 
text line, 69187, keyword R&R from Mailman Raider, talking about the Pac-12 championships. Is Dave Ziegler going to be in attendance of the USC game since it's in his backyard? Yes. <laughs> Dave Ziegler is going to be in attendance, and all of the Raiders uh, staff is going to be in attendance as far as scouts and you know, all the talent scouts. They're all going to be in attendance checking that out. Vinny Bonsignor actually tweeted that out earlier today. Uh, talking about all the all the folks from the Raiders, that, the contingency from the Raiders that are going to be in attendance. Yeah, b- please believe they're not going to let it go. <laughs> they're not going to let a game like this go by and not be right there on hand to check it out. But, yeah, Dave Ziegler is going to be there. Assistant GM Champ Kelly is going to be there. Uh, college director Brandon Yergin is going to be there. All at the game tonight, uh, USC and Utah. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. We do have Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Coming up in a few minutes to talk all things betting lines. We're going to be talking about college games. We'll be talking about some NFL action, including the Raiders and Chargers. Let's go out to the phone lines right now and talk to our good friend Jared right here in Vegas. Welcome to the show. Hey, what's going on, Q? How are you doing today? Hey, I'm blessed, man. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed as well, man. It's another beautiful Friday afternoon in Vegas. But hey, man, you know what? That question that you posed, it sounds like a simple question, but the more I think about it, you put (laughs) together a good thought-provoking question. Because... What I came up with is what have we not sacrificed for a top mm. 15 defense? We sacrificed a cornerstone pillar of the franchise in Khalil Mack. We've yeah. sacrificed draft capital of players like Gary on Connolly, that gun-toting Anthony Averett lookalike, uh, McMullen, uh, Clee Farrell. We've sacrificed financial freedom with players like uh, um, uh, Chandler Jones. We've given up another great player in unique and dock way. So it's really hard to answer that question. And I think the best answer is, haven't we sacrificed enough? I like it. I like it. That's a great breakdown, my man. And that's a great way to look at it. And again, that's why the question was so hard for me when it was posed to me. And I, I saw it uh, when they, they hit up my, uh, my text line for the Lockdown Raiders podcast. And I wanted to squeeze it into today's show. And I was like, you know what? I don't have enough time to talk about this because there's so many different angles that you can look at it. Uh, again, I don't know what the Raiders are going to do to get their defense where it needs to be. I know it's not where Patrick Graham wants it right now, and I don't think it's anywhere where anybody from Raider Nation wants it right now. You know, I, I think everyone realizes, even Tom, that it needs to be better, right? I, just, I think that that's a reality. It, it needs to be better. There's guys that are contributing, playing at a high level, like a Max Crosby, but it's not enough. Like just when Wendy said, you know, when, when, the, when, the, when the announcers could watch the game and put a big old yellow circle on the screen and that whole area, and JT talks about it all the time, that whole area in the middle of the field is always wide open like some old school TV antennas, man, wide open. They've got to find a way to stop having that problem. They've got to clean that up. How are they going to clean that up? Hey, wife. Wife just got to the building. What's up, wife? Long range, long range love right there. There it is. I'm trying to do the little emoji. Or not the emoji. Damon, how do you do the little thing? It makes it look like binoculars when I do it, but I'm trying to do, you know, the little heart thing? Yeah, you're just trying to make the heart symbol with your hand. That's all. Yeah, I'm, it, it looks like binoculars when I do it. <laughs> so the wife just walked in, and she gave me the heart symbol, and I gave her binoculars back. So that's what I do. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, that's how it goes down. <laughs> you never know. But, uh, yeah, man, they've got to figure out something to get that defense where it needs to be so they can be, you know, complementary to, to that Raiders offense, which I do believe has a great opportunity to be really good. Let's go out to the phone lines again at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Hardcore Raider. Welcome to the show. 
Hey Q, all I gotta say, man, is turn down the speakers because I'm about ready to blow them up. Pull your pull your uh, headphones back because the only thing come Sunday I want to hear is touchdown Raiders. All right, fire it up. That was it, huh? <laughs> That's all he had. <laughs> My man gave us a touchdown, Raiders. It was like, whoo, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I ain't mad. Hey, look, I ain't mad. I'd like to hear touchdown Raiders all day on Sunday. Man, I want to be in the press box in here. That touchdown was by. That touchdown was by. That that's all I want to hear, man. I just want to keep hearing that. I want to hear Raider Nation rocking. I want to see the Raiders start to establish, and I said this on yesterday's show, I want to see them start establishing a winning culture at home as well. They need to get that. 9-12 and 12 at home so far is not going to get it done. So that's another area of uh, emphasis I think that the Raiders really need to focus in on is learning how to win at home consistently 429 is the time when we come back lee sterling paramountsports.com he'll join the show we'll talk college ball we'll talk pro ball we'll do it all here on raider nation radio 920 it's time to take a look at the lines that can help win you some money with lee sterling from paramountsports.com brought to you by joe's stone crab located inside the caesar's forum shops here on raider nation radio 920 and Lee Sterling joins us now on the phone lines as we take a look at all the lines for the weekend, the upcoming games, both college and the NFL. And Lee, we appreciate your uh, your appreciate your time as always this afternoon. And week 13 in the NFL is underway. The Patriots, man, their offense is bad as the Bills got the victory on Thursday night. What did you think about that Thursday night game? Well, it says it all when your quarterback's, uh, you know, yelling on the sideline <laughs> about the offensive uh, coordinator. So right. Matt Patricia might have been a decent defensive coordinator. He's not a decent offensive coordinator, so they got to make a change there. Yeah, they do. The Patriots got to get back to the drawing board. I know they have six wins on the season, but six wins are not all created equal, right? I mean, they got six nope. wins, but they are playing some ugly balls, especially offensively. They got defensive guys, but offensively not playing very well. Well, that started us off Thursday night, little Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. Oh, it's always great to check out some NFL action, but we're going to go ahead and dive into this weekend's action. There's some uh, college championship games going on. Of course, some NFL games that we want to talk about. Matter of fact, uh, let's go ahead and get things started uh, in the Big 12 with the Big 12 championship game, TCU and K-State. TCU is trying to stay undefeated and uh, carve out their spot in the college football playoffs. I believe they have to win this to get their spot in the playoffs, but here you go. TCU minus two and a half versus K-State. What are your thoughts on this one, Lee? I agree with you, Q. I mean, heard some people saying if they're in, even if they lose, I don't see it Mm -mm. at all. Um, So, I I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. You have two well-coached teams. Two teams, top ten in turnover margins. Two red-hot quarterbacks. Two quarterbacks that actually weren't even the starters to start the year. Will Howard averaging 9.3 yards per attempt. That's what they call pushing the ball down the field. Max Duggan, 29 touchdown passes and five TD runs. So that's pretty even there. Running back, two really good running backs. The difference here might be TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson. He's able to play, and I have a feeling – He's going to be a go. 6'4 guy who is unguardable. I think he's going to be a top 10, top 12 draft pick. He might hit on the big play down the field. So, you know, winning close games and finishing strong are very good characteristics for a team to have. And sometimes odds makers, they just undervalue that to some degree. TCU is going to lose. 
but not yet. TCU 35-30. Boom. There it is right there. I'm so glad you brought up Quentin Johnston, man. That is my guy. I covered him in high school at Temple, Texas. Uh, he's a heck of a dude, man, and he has just made himself some money by what he's done at TCU. He's definitely, like you said, going to be a top 15 pick at worst in next yep. year's draft. So a shout-out to Big Q. Not me, Quentin Johnston. He's the guy. <laughs> he's the guy. Let me ask you a question. Was, was he uh... – was he a three or four-star guy? What was he coming I, out of high school? I think he was a, a, a high three or a low four. But, he, man, right. he had the size, and he was a big playmaker when he was at Temple, man. he used to Whenever you knew they needed a big play, they were looking for Quentin Johnson every single time. And nine times out of ten, he would make it happen. Plus, he was a big basketball player as well. So, I yep. mean, he was just an all-around athlete. Oof. You'd see those basketball skills come out With on the his football skill field. Set, Q, let me tell you something. That skill set – uh, the NFL, uh, <laughs> he's going to be like uh, Justin Jefferson, in my opinion. Yeah, he very well could be. I'm very excited, and a good the dude's a good dude, so very excited about the opportunity yeah. for Quentin Johnston. Again, we're talking with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com on Twitter at Paramount Sports here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. Let's move on to the Big Ten Championship. Michigan, who blew out, blew the brakes off Ohio State last week. Uh, they're going up against Purdue. Michigan is minus 17 versus Purdue. That's a lot of points, Lee. Break this one down for me. It is, and I don't know if they can get up again like they did last week. I mean, they were down twice by seven points, two times, did not even flinch. Great game plan by Michigan, great execution, but they're going to be without Blake Corm mm-hmm. for the rest of the year. He's down with a knee injury, had surgery, and uh, I just think that Purdue's going to come to play. How about this? The last three years, this team under Brom has engineered and won three straight times versus top three opponents. I don't know whether they're watching Remember the Titans or some movie the night before, but certain coaches can prepare their players for these kind of games. And Aiden O'Connell, whose older brother recently passed away, I think he might have the performance of his career here. I think Michigan escapes here, 34-31. Ooh, there you go, 34-31 right there. They're a 17-point favorite, going to escape in the Big Ten Championship. All right, so there you go. It's like a wrong team favorite right there. Roll with Purdue and take the points. All right, says Lee Sterling. All right, Lee, good college action right there. Of course, there's some college action happening right here in Vegas tonight with USC Utah. Excited about that. It's going to be at Allegiant Stadium. It's sold out. That's exciting, man. Very exciting. But let's, let's turn our attention to the NFL. This is a game I'm anticipating only because of the storylines. The Cleveland Browns, they make their run to Houston. And why does that matter? Well, Deshaun Watson will be under center for the Browns for the first time in his Browns career. Cleveland is minus seven versus the woeful Texans. What are your thoughts on this one, Lee? Well, Deshaun Watson couldn't ask for a better matchup here. Um, His Browns are top ten in scoring. Number five, rushing attack, led by, I think, one of the top two or three backs in the NFL, Nick Chubb, who's averaging... 5.2 5.2 yards per carry. And what's the matchup? Houston, worst rushing defense in the NFL. They made a change of quarterback from Davis Mills to Kyle Allen. Well, Kyle Allen threw 39 inefficient passes last week, two interceptions. It doesn't make any difference whether Mills or Allen quarterbacks his team. So I think Deshaun Watson, who uh, just needs to manage the game, just take his time. Uh, I think Cleveland Houston will self-destruct here, and he's faced this defense. He stood there on the sideline and watched how they prepared. He knows everything, all the inside and outside details of how the Houston defense is put together. I think he gets the job done. Cleveland here, 28-13. 
Oh, right there. Deshaun yep. Watson returns to Houston and gets a big-time victory over his former team. I'm interested to see what the crowd sounds like. How many boos? How many yep. cheers? What is going to look like on Sunday against, uh, against again, Cleveland versus the Texans? Again, we're talking with Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. We're talking all things betting lines here on Unnecessary Roughness. So, Lee, here we go. we got to close things out. we got to bring it back home, bring it back to Vegas. The Raiders and Chargers Part 2. They played Week 1. Now they're playing in Week 13. The Raiders right now sitting at four and seven or minus one versus the Chargers. I thought that the Chargers were favored early in the week. What's going on here, Lee? Yeah, they were favored by two and a half. I, I don't get the flip here. I mean, looks like a bunch of key players for the Chargers will play in this game here. And, you know, looking at Justin Herbert, since Keenan Allen came back, 58 for 77 for 554 passing yards and five touchdowns with only one interception. So he seems to be back to where he was last year. You know, he obviously was injured early in the year, and I think it took him six, seven weeks to, to feel himself here. And uh, and that first game, you know, uh, the, the the Raiders had a chance, just were not able to pull it together here. Uh, they're 4-7, minus 11 uh, differential as far as turnovers here. And just think that this Chargers run defense here has, has managed to be able to, you know, statistically not look great, but – be able to shut people down when it counts here. So uh, I just think with Herbert finally playing up to his potential and Allen back here, defense being opportunistic, found a way. They also did uh, to win that game. Last play on a two-point conversion here. We're going to go the Chargers here. I think they get the job done. Wrong team favored. Chargers outright 30-24. to Boom, right there. None, nobody at Raider Nation wants to hear that, but I, I think no. this is going to go down to the wire, man. I think this is going to be a really tough game. Uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Haven't been in Allegiant Stadium for a few weeks, so I'm excited to see what it looks like, but it's going to be a tough one. So there you go. Lee Sterling thinks that the wrong team is favored, thinks the Chargers are going to take this one versus the Raiders. Well, Lee, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Uh, great little preview for the weekend. If anyone wants to reach out to you, get some more information from you, what do they need to do? Just go to the website, ParamountSports.com. We have what's called double down December. Tire month, college football in the NFL, just two ninety seven. We've won thirteen out of sixteen weeks. Just one place. Love to have you along for the ride. ParamountSports.com. There it is right there. Lee, fantastic stuff as always, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Can't wait for these games to take place this weekend. I know you'll enjoy them too. Thank you so much for your time as always, my man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Q. There he goes. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. He had the Chargers in this one. He had the Chargers. I'm hoping Lee Sterling is wrong. My, my, my belly tells me that he is, but you know how it goes, man. Sometimes uh, the lines, they'll tell all the story that you need to know, and uh, this line has moved quite a bit in this game, and so it should be interesting. Raiders, Chargers, 125 kickoff at Legion Stadium. 441 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close up the show. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Hey, there we go. Shout out to that Nipsey Hustle right there. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. We're at Buffalo Wild Wings. South Durango, Warm Springs. Jared just walked in the building, Demond. Jared's in the building. He's got his Undertaker coat on, so he's ready for business. <laughs> he's ready for the weekend. 
between Demond and his cowboy outfit and Jared and his uh, his uh, Undertaker outfit, man, you guys are you guys are a hell of a pair today. I'll and we're, I'm going to be coming to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings after, and we're going to race some hell. <laughs> there you go. That's what I'm talking about. We've had a lot of good fun here today. Gave out a ton of prizes. A bunch of people came by, hung out with us, uh, got ready for the weekend and prepare in preparation for the game on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. A couple little housekeeping notes real quick. Uh, the pregame pregame show will start off on uh, Sunday at about 10 a.m. It's called Q's Kickoff. It'll be myself at the at the uh, torch at the Coors Light Landing. We encourage you to come on by there and hang out as soon as doors open up. And uh, you can start getting your pictures in, start getting your drinks on, and start enjoying Allegiant Stadium. Then I'll pass the sticks on about 11.15 to JT the Brick and Eric Allen for the official pregame show. They always have a bunch of great guests. I mean, always a bunch of great guests. I'm anticipating that Cliff Branch, this is just me spitballing and guessing. I'm assuming that Cliff Branch's sister is going to probably join them on stage and uh, talk about him being his, his uh, name and, and number being put up on the Hall of Fame wall there at Allegiant Stadium right outside of 206, and that's going to happen at noon. So that's something to pay attention to if you want to check that out. Right outside of 206, that's going to happen just like Richard Seymour was uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, thank you, sir. So, uh, yeah, it's, that's going to happen. So we encourage you to come on by and uh, check that out. But also, it's just a really cool place to hang out. The Coors Light Landing, I mean, that's the best, one of the best spots to hang out inside of Legion Stadium before the game. So uh, do that. And then after uh, the official pregame show, of course, Jason Horowitz and Lincoln Kennedy will have your call of the game, and that will kick off at uh, 125 on Raider Nation Radio 920. So I've uh, been going over a lot of texts that we get, and, of course, we have a few minutes for some calls as well. So, Damon, go ahead and feel free to light them up real quick at 702-365-9200 and our don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R N R. Our mailman Raider said, Q, want to see two things. One, defense must limit at least one of the star guys, either Eckler or Allen. You don't shut those guys out, but limit what they can do. Two, if Jacobs plays, get him over 100 yards, think we're 4-1 when he does, and don't think that's a coincidence. Also, running the ball keeps the ball out of the Chargers' hands. That's from the mailman Raider. And, yeah, that's the thing. I'm looking for the Raiders offensively to get 100, around that 150-yard mark on the ground. Right? I don't, I'm not saying it necessarily has to be Josh Jacobs exclusively, but a combination of Jacobs, Zamir White, uh, you know, whoever, Amir Abdullah, I don't really care how it gets done, but they need to have a commitment to the run game, especially since the Chargers can't or, or have a problem. I don't want to say can't stop them, but have a problem slowing down the run. Uh, the Raiders really need to have a commitment to being able to run that rock. So it's, it's been with, with Waller and Renfro out, it's been the Jacobs and the Adams show. And I think that's what it's going to end up being again on Sunday. So how are they going to defend Devontae Adams this time? Right? Last time they had Darren Waller out there. Last time the Raiders had Hunter Renfro out there. And the, the Chargers defended him one way. How is it going to change this time? Is there going to be a heavy dose of Derwin James right around Devontae Adams? Like, what's the chess match look like? Brandon Staley is a defensive-minded guy. Josh McDaniels is an offensive-minded guy. What does that chess match look like? So offensively for the Raiders – for what I really am paying attention to, again, I said it at the beginning of the show, start off, start off fast. You can't get behind early. You get behind early, then that whole running game that I'm talking about basically goes out the door, goes out the window. We saw that happen week one. We've seen that happen multiple times. They get behind, and then boom, all of a sudden, now it just becomes a passing clinic. And then all of a sudden, you're, you're, putting the, you're setting the offensive lineup for failure as well. Because then they're, they're, they're pass protection the whole time, having, having to do pass protection instead of uh, run blocking. They much rather run block. They much rather block forward instead of having to backpedal. 
So you've got to start off the game fast. You really do. And at least keep everything close so you can have your balanced attack, so you can mix up the, the, the pass and the run. I think Devontae is going to get his. I'm excited about what the outcome of the game looks like for Devontae. He's sitting there at 999 yards on the, on the season. I think he's going to get 100 yards plus. I think he's going to get a, at least a touchdown. That'd be great to see him sitting there at, you know, 1,100 yards on the season once the game is over and 11 touchdowns, <laughs> you know, through, through 12 games. That'd be fantastic. I mean, he's, uh, we said it earlier in the season, he's quietly having a really good season. And now it's not even really quietly. I mean, now it's just like, yeah, dude's having a really good season. You imagine if everything was together and they were all on the same page, uh, you know, at the same time, man, they would, phew, dude could be incredible. And, and I do, and I know people don't like to hear it, but I do think that what's going on right now with only being Adams out there and not Waller and Renfro, I do think it gives this offense an opportunity to learn each other and learn how Adams could be the tree. He's the tree to the offense, right? Just picture a tree in your backyard, and it's growing, and then every single branch is something else. One branch is Josh Jacobs. Another branch is Darren Waller. Another branch is Hunter Renfro. Another branch is Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, whatever. Whatever the case, Foster Morrow, right? All these different branches come off of one tree. That tree is Devontae Adams. Right now, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, they have planted that tree, and they're letting that thing grow. Once Waller and Renfro come back, then all of a sudden a couple more branches can, can sprout out of it. And now I feel like you're looking, you're looking better than what you were at the beginning of the season when you just tried to mix it all up together at the same time. All right, here we go. This is what it's going to look like. It's, it's hard to do that. It really is. So, uh, nobody, again, nobody wants to hear it because no one wants to be at 4-7 and seven right now as the Raiders are. But if there's anything they can come from, if there's a silver lining that you're looking for, and sometimes I try to look for silver linings, that could be it. Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, happy Friday, gentlemen. And, yes, it's a red polo T-shirt. Got the fresh haircut as I'm about to wine and dine my beautiful fiancé as we make our way to Napa. What our Raiders need to do come Sunday, we need to contain both wide receivers Palmer and Allen. Herbert is heating up, and our defense must take away these two wide receivers. If not, expect a high-scoring game as anything is possible. I'll keep it simple. I don't want to sacrifice anything, as I felt like we've already did by obtaining Devontae Adams by giving up two draft picks. We need to hit on all our draft picks come 2023. And finally, DeMond, I'm digging them boots. What's next? Leather chat pants, L-M-A-O, laughing my ass off. Cheers, Sir Whiskey Ray. There you go. I'll pass that on to you, Damon. Hey, maybe. You never know, man. If I could find a good pair, you know, you never know what might be next. But Q, something that we haven't really talked about, and we mentioned it before about Derek Carr not getting enough praise in the two-game winning streak, I do think that this game here, it, I guess it would come along with if Devontae Adams has a monster game, Derek Carr is delivering him the football. But I don't see the charge. I don't see this Raiders defense, you know, putting them on lock. I don't. I think no. this is going to be closer to a shootout than it yeah. is to a defensive struggle. You know, I'm not going to predict the score, you know, but, but I'm thinking maybe both teams are probably going to be getting up there in the 30s. But for that to happen, I do think that Derek Carr needs to have one of his signature games where he hasn't had one yet. It was some game last season, I want to say the Eagles game, where he completed like 90% of his passes. I'm not saying like, can, like only have two incompletions, but he needs to have one of those signature games for this game against the Chargers where he puts the team on his back. We've seen Josh do it. We've seen Devontae have the good games. And those two in the games where if Derek has a good one, you know, Devontae Adams, they coincide. But I do think that this needs to be a game for Derek Carr to step up and show out. Because obviously drops happen, and, you, and that's not on the quarterback. But right. I'm not saying it needs to be a flawless game, but this does need to be a signature game for Derek Carr. 
Okay, I, I'm I'm okay with that, right? I would I would like to see that. I'd like to see a, a couple signature games, a couple just big time games where Derek Carr does the heavy lifting, where you know that the Raiders won because of that dude, right? I mean, because he was the guy. And that's not saying that he's not out there doing some heavy lifting because he is. He's delivering the rock. He's understanding the offense. He's checking in the plays that he needs to check into. He's reading defense. I mean, he's doing a lot out there. But it would be nice to see him go out there and just ball out and have a big-time monster game. Uh, we got a text from uh, the 510. Complimentary football for the Raiders. Means 30 points a game, long drives, and zero turnovers with 300 yards passing minimum. Maybe three touchdowns is needed too. Nothing's de- nothing defense-related, though. And I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I know, I understand the offensive stats. I think the defense has to do something. The defense can't just sit back and do nothing. They have to make some plays. You know, create a turnover or two would be great, but at least, you know, at least get off the field a couple times on third down, third and long. Get off the field, right? Get off the field. Do, do. Some, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be something. They just can't be out there. And, and look, they're not going to want to just be out there and just be, you know, going through the motions. Max Crosby's, you know, he, he's, he's trying to get to the quarterback. Chandler Jones wants to get to the quarterback. Nate Hobbs, if he plays, he's going to want to make plays. You know, I mean, there's, there's, the defense has got to provide something. The defense, they don't win that game last week if it's not for the defense making some plays. I mean, let's be honest about the situation. I know the defense is nothing to write home about, but if, without them, they don't win that game. Without them in that Denver game, they don't win that game. I mean, let's keep it real. Right? I mean, it hasn't been great, but they've, they've stepped up when, when they needed to. And as far as don't turn the ball over, I'm glad you brought that up. Again, that was a text from the 510. Definitely cannot turn the ball over. That was one of the biggest keys to this game in week one, is Derek Carr turned the ball over early, and he turned it over often. Can't do that. Cannot do that. He cannot throw those interceptions. Can't give the Chargers a short field. It's got to take care of the ball. If he doesn't take care of the ball, then the Raiders could be in some trouble. Justin Herbert does not need help, <laughs> right? He doesn't need help. He doesn't need to have a short field. He just doesn't. So they've got to make sure they protect the ball at all costs. They do a really good job. Every once in a while, even last week, I was glad that those interceptions happened early in the game, right? And then the rest of the game they were able to, you know, make a few plays on defense, keep them out of the end zone one time so they only got 10 points off turnovers instead of 14 and help the Raiders still have a chance to maintain. But don't put yourself in that situation, man. Take care of the ball. Don't allow the other team, don't allow the Chargers to have a short field. If you do, it could be a, it could be a long day at the office at Allegiant Stadium for the Silver and Black. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you, everyone, for chiming in on the show. Texts, calls, all that good stuff, all our great guests that we had. We'll see you at the Torch inside Allegiant Stadium whatever time you get there. I'll be there starting the show at 10 o'clock, but whatever time you show up is the time we want to see you and get ready for the game kicking off at 125. The Raiders, the Chargers, it's going down. Week 13 action, and you can hear it right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening.